Um, I had a, this thought. This isn't my original thought, but as I was studying and preparing the message this morning, it came to me that God doesn't expose our uh, faults and failures and, you know, those things that disappoint us, you know, the, that we think are, are bad about ourselves. Does that make sense? He doesn't, he doesn't expose us for the purpose of our beating ourselves up. I'm terrible about doing that. There's a couple of things that I struggle with. I feel like I'm conquering and gaining ground. And so I, I kind of drop my guard a little bit. And once that thing crops up again, I'm thinking, oh, man, am I ever going to get victory? I'm a failure. I start beating myself up. I'm thinking, why? what's the purpose of going on? You know, and I get to feeling sorry for myself. God does not expose those things for us to feel bad about ourselves and our failures and call and label ourselves a failure. He does that. He exposes those things so that He can prune us and we can eventually bear much fruit for His glory. So that's kind of the thought. I hope that makes sense. I don't know if anybody else uh, does that or not, but periodically, I don't know why I, why I do that, but from time to time I just feel bad about myself when I find fault <laughs> and something uh, happens, you know, and, and I just I start beating myself up. I should be better than that. So anyway, I'll talk about that a little bit more later. Earlier this week, I was, I was driving down the road. I was hauling rock, and um, I was driving down the road there, and I saw an apple tree. And I know it's an apple tree because I've seen it uh, uh, bear apples before. Uh, and there's, some, there's another house on uh, the highway that's got several apple trees, and uh, they're not in such good shape anymore. Over the years, they've kind of um, gotten out of hand. Uh, people don't really take care of them, you know. And I'm and I'm not uh, bad mouthing them or anything. I'm just saying I noticed something about those trees. Uh, some of them are way overgrown. They've never been trimmed, never been pruned, and and certain ones uh, that I've seen elsewhere, the limbs are broken. There's a lot of dead limbs and things like that. So. Uh, there, there's some of those trees that are just unbalanced and lopsided. And I know a little bit something, and I'll get to a story later on in my sermon about why or how I know a little bit about trees, uh, fruit trees like that. But I began to think to myself, those trees aren't going to have a very good season this year in the condition that they're in. Um, they're just not going to have a real good crop of apples. I don't care if it's perfect conditions. The, they're not going to be um, the apple tree that they're supposed to be. They're not going to be uh, at their best because of the condition that they're in. They've not been pruned or trimmed or, or dressed uh, properly in order to be uh, you know, beautiful apples in August and September. So I also know a couple of orchards uh, nearby, um, what's the one out west or east of town? It's yeah, Camp's Orchard. 
Um, and I've been by there several times, and all those trees have been pruned, and they, they produce very well. They look very nice and uh, produce a lot of apples. And uh, So, you know, there is a difference when you take care of them and if you know what you're doing with them, and they'll produce and bear uh, much good fruit, good apples. And they're, uh, you know, and for like camps and, and different ones, there's another orchard or two I know of. Uh, way out west of town that uh, those people's livelihoods depend on whether or not they take good care of those trees. So I'm getting to a point. Um, so it prompted me, noticing those uh, apple trees, it prompted me to look into um, the story in John 15 about Jesus talking about um, pruning. So let's see what we can learn about pruning and find out what the purpose of uh, pruning is and that process in a believer's life. So if you want to turn to John 15, 1 through 8, uh, you can follow along with me this morning. It says, And I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And some of the translations say vine dresser or husbandman. And every branch in me, verse 2, that does not produce Fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more. That does not produce fruit and it will produce more. Verse 3, you are already clean. He's talking, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, Unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone dis- does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Um, One of the things here that I want to make mention of in this passage, uh, there's a word that uh, is being used or a phrase that's being used that uh, says, uh, for instance, in verse 2, every branch in me that does not produce fruit. Uh, it's, it's mentioned two or three times they use the word produce. And I don't care for that particular uh, rendition of that word. It actually should be, uh, I think, cl- uh, better translated is to bear fruit rather than to produce food, fruit because... Uh, a limb or or a branch cannot produce fruit at, at all. It's the vine that does the production part, and the branches actually bear the fruit. So that I hope that gives you some indication as to what I'm talking about there. So branches do not pr- uh, produce the fruit, but they bear the fruit that is being produced because the branches are connected to the vine. And that Jesus is probably talking more about uh, 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 grapes, 
I would imagine, in grapevines, but uh, it also is, it's the same uh, process with the uh, trees as well, fruit-bearing trees. So I speak to you this morning. Don't be confused um, if I use the phrase to bear much fruit more frequently than the way the translation read from the Bible. So let me begin this morning by saying most of us, if not all of us, have had some, uh, you know, particular times in our lives where we've been uncomfortable or made to feel a bit um, painful. Have you, have you ever gone through that and you really maybe can't quite put your finger on it? Um, anybody? So once in a while that happens to me and I have a little bit of uh, an uncomfortable feeling about uh, certain things, especially when I recognize that, uh, for instance, I have a little bit of a trouble with having Patience, and uh, I know my son told me about that yesterday, that he wanted to have more patience, so I began to talk to him a a little bit about that, but uh, anyway, this pain and this discomfort that you tend to feel when you identify, especially identify certain failures in your life. It's, the, it's not to expose your problem to uh, make you feel bad about yourself. It's to expose your, your uh, problems so God can help you to develop fruit in replace of that. So a season where you uh, felt like you, were, um, you weren't supposed to be, uh, it, it's a level of... Uh, your walk in the Lord that you didn't feel like you've achieved yet. Maybe you're disappointed with your own responses to certain uh, types of situations and you just feel like you need to grow. I need to get better at this. I need to grow in this area. And so rather than give up, you decide to press onward and uh, you, uh, you begin to increase your devotions and your prayers, which is exactly what you should be doing. But that's a process of, that's where the process of pruning begins. So I want you to understand something about God's pruning process. It is never intended for the purpose of punishing you. He doesn't want to punish you necessarily for, for these things. He doesn't want you to punish you yourself for those things. And he certainly doesn't want other people punishing you for some of your failures. For instance, like I said, I have a particular area in my life, and it's, it's patience. Sometimes I just don't have the patience that I feel like I should have at this stage of my life. And I seem to fail at it frequently, and I'm not happy with myself, so I tend to get down on myself when I do fail. I'm not bearing fruit in that area, so I get disappointed. So I, and I, I'm really kind of hard on myself. And uh, God began to show me something. Rather than beat myself up and continue to say, uh, you know, i got to try harder or I, I need to get more patience, God said, this is an opportunity for you to grow. This isn't a time for you to get down on yourself and beat yourself up. So I need to look at this from a different perspective is what he was teaching me. This was an opportunity rather uh, to grow rather than to punish myself, and I needed to humble myself and put it, 
put my failure into perspective so I could learn how to bear fruit uh, instead of instead of uh, being so hard and difficult with myself. I needed to bear fruit from this uh, from the patience rather than being tough on myself. It, I needed to put my trust in the vine dresser and begin to trust the one who dwells inside of me and produce his character in me. So that's one of the things I've learned is that all this time when I get aggravated and, and, and uh, I've got a certain project or whatever the case might be, and I, if I don't pray ahead of time and things don't go well, I know how it's going to end. And I end up beating myself up because my patience has worn thin. Does, that, does this ring true with anybody? And what Jesus was talking to me about, what the, what the Spirit is showing me, is I need to learn to quit trusting in myself to conquer this thing and get more. I need to learn to trust the Jesus that's inside of me because He's the one that went to the cross, and He's the one that took the burden of all these things, and He crucified those things at the cross. So I need to put my trust in the Jesus and, and the cross, uh, that work that He did, that completed work that He did at the cross. Trust that thing inside of me. He's the one that dwells within me. He's the one who truly cares, and I had to realize that I can't do this on my own. So the reality is is that God wasn't interested in punishment so much as He was in pruning. It's actually a blessing, and it, and it hurts a little bit, but it doesn't last forever. That season of your life just doesn't last forever. So one of the lessons that I learned was that I had to learn to lose the idea that I could cause myself to be- get better in that area of patience. I had to get rid of that thought. I had to get rid of that idea because I was not able to do it. Jesus said, without Him, I can do nothing. We just read that in His uh, uh, text here in John 15, 1 through 8. We can't do anything without Him. So I needed to learn that lesson. Lesson number two is that I had to realize that the base of Christian's li- a Christian's life is God's unfailing love for each one of us. He wasn't worried about punishing. He's not worried about punishing you for whatever fault that you might have and might be struggling with from time to time. He's not worried about that. He's worried about you conquering that thing and bearing fruit in place of it, if that makes sense. If he didn't love and care for us, he wouldn't take the time to work with us to bear precious fruit in our lives. We have to view his process, this process of pruning, as an opportunity to be sanctified. It's a sanctifying process rather than a time of punishment. And I know there's a lot of people that, uh, that are Christians that believe um, the worst about themselves. And I, I want to uh, just speak to that if that's one, one of the things that you have a problem with. 
don't be concerned about the punishment for your failures. Be concerned about the one who can help you to develop a fruit in place of it. It says every branch in verse 2, verse two, and it's interesting to me, but every branch that does not bear fruit, he removes. So that's where I kind of got the idea that, hey, this is a serious problem. He's going to remove me as a branch if I don't get this under control. You see that negative way of looking at it is because you didn't, because I didn't understand what the words meant that Jesus was actually saying. You take things at face value, sometimes you're uh, asking for trouble. So the word removes there in that particular verse has an interesting meaning. Not only does it mean to take away, but it also means to lift up. So what I want you to understand, if, if you got problem areas, if you got uh, an issue that you're struggling with and you just don't know how to conquer it, put it in God's hands. He wants to lift you up. He wants to bring you up above that thing. In other words, if we're going back to looking at these apple trees, I said one of the trees I know of is just bloomed out. I don't mean bloomed out necessarily, but all of the branches have just gone out. It's bigger than it really should be in order to produce like it's supposed to be. And the branches are literally hanging down, they're dragging the ground, especially when the wind is blowing, okay? I'm trying to uh, paint a little bit of a picture for you. So in other words, as branches, we can drag the ground, we can begin to drag the ground, and we can get hampered by the, the things that come in our life because we've not been pruned. And God wants to lift those branches up so he does, so they don't get uh, uh, destroyed, so they don't get uh, heavy laden and drag you down even further. Because those branches, as I, I know for a fact, if they get too heavy, then they'll begin to split in different places and they'll break. That's something that God doesn't want. We get so heavy laden with the cares of the world and the heaviness and the concerns of life that we hang low and we drag the ground. And so God wants us to lift up, be lifted up, and begin to trim away the unnecessary things that's weighing those limbs down. And for the, it's for the purpose of becoming fruitful. Fruitful. He wants us to be encouraged and hopeful and motivated in this life, not to be fruitless, but to be fruitful. He doesn't want us to be fruitless and discouraged. So he begins to lift up the, and prune and reshape and get that, that tree. I like to look at the apple trees because I know more about the trees than I do the grape vineyards. But, um, so he begins to lift up the, those, those tree branches and prune them and to shape them so that you will bear much fruit. How does he do that? How does he prune you? First of all, he does that through his word. Jesus said in verse 3, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That spoken word, that logos word, is how the pruning begins. 
He starts speaking the word in your spirit. Now, this this verse here, I know you're all familiar with, but it's going to take on a little bit new, uh, different meaning or a, maybe a new meaning for you if you listen closely. It begins with the Logos word, that spoken word. That's how the pruning process starts. In Hebrews 4 and 12, it says, For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. <clears throat> it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So if God is exposing you in the area of your life, it's that spirit that's working in you, that's penetrating, and he's separating that stuff that's bad from the good. Okay? That's what he's doing. It's that process that he's uh, starting in your life. It's the process of pruning. Secondarily, he's pruning because, uh, the, his pruning process can be done through people. How many know that sometimes we just, especially people that are mentors in our life, they have that uncanny ability to speak into your life without hurting you and damaging you. Some people can speak into your life and it'll bruise you. It'll tear you up. I know people that have gone away from the Lord because somebody doesn't use wisdom. But there's those that have the wisdom, the knowledge, and the love of God to speak into other people's lives, and they'll begin to, if you can receive that, then you can begin to grow from it. You don't take it offensively if they've done it properly. And that's what God does. He uses some, some people, mentors especially, and teachers and pastors, close friends that know you well, that know God well. He'll use you and use people to correct us and to help us to grow. So they'll tell you that they think you're wrong and they'll prove it to you, but they'll do it in a loving way. So your response will either be a spiteful response and argumentative or a humble, grateful response and you'll grow from it and and be thankful for their uh, constructive correction. God is never in it to hurt you. But in every Christian's life, he wants them and he wants you and I to bear much fruit. So I realized in the last few days that I'm not allowed and you're not allowed to be harsh and cruel and damaging to yourself. You're not, uh, you're not to allow other people to be harsh cruel, and damaging to you either. God wants to uh, be a blessing to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to uplift you. All these other things are counterproductive. And so we want to make sure that we're not bruising one another. Sometimes people will say something, it'll hurt, it'll sting, it'll smart, but you know it's for your best interests. But if you hear these things, if you're uh, hard on yourself uh, and you tend to beat yourself up and call yourself stupid or I'm an idiot, anybody ever said anything like that before? It's not 
It is counterproductive, and it, you don't have the right to uh, allow yourself to speak that way to yourself. But it's God's job as a vine dresser to help you to bear fruit. I hope that makes sense to everyone. So it's God's desire. We're going to talk about God's desire here for just a moment. Be reminded this morning it's God's desire that you are fruitful and productive. And those who remain in Christ Jesus and bear much fruit that he will prune. It's those people that he's going to prune. It's those who remain in Christ Jesus and bear fruit that he will prune. It's his desire that you increase and develop into useful, productive individuals for the kingdom of God and for the glory of God. So sometimes there are trials and tribulations then that come along into our lives and they're by design so that we'll grow in our faith and our trust. And sometimes you'll say, well, Lord, that's the last thing I feel like I need right now. Uh, I don't need these problems right now. But God's got a different way of thinking. This very well could be the best time for you to endure, to learn to endure those difficulties and problems in your life. He wants you to learn to put aside all these things, everything, every heavy weight that easily besets us, everything that hampers you from being the productive model of the glory of God that He wants you to be. It's time to put those things aside. So once in a while you'll have to endure a consequence Once in a while, you're going to have to endure some trials and some tribulations. And it's all for the glory of God, to bring Him glory. It could be a painful consequence, however, that you might have to endure. Whatever um, problems that might arise in your life, it's all for the reason of pruning. And I know we've all talked about that a little bit already. But number one, what are some of the reasons for pruning? uh, Number one is that you'll bear much fruit. We've talked about that already. We've been over uh, that particular aspect. But you and I have to, uh, we have to understand that we have to have room to grow. And so God deems it necessary for us to grow. So that hence the reason we have trials and tribulations that come into our life. <coughs> and those things are designed to expose uh, uh, faults and weaknesses and things like that. And so we have to get those uh, limbs, so to speak, trimmed up out of the way. Number two, one of the, another reason that we'll, uh, we need to be pruned is that we'll trust in Him and become more dependent on Him. That's one of the things that I learned uh, uh, just recently, that I needed to uh, learn to trust the One that lives and dwells within me. He wants us to be obedient to Him. So we have to understand that He loves us enough to prune us. That's number two. Number three is that you have a blessed assurance that you are His. That's another good reason for Him to prune you and I, so that we will have a blessed assurance that we belong to Him. This is one way 
or this is one we'll, uh, uh, that we've never really went over yet this morning. But in verse 8 it says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. And prove to be my disciples. So he wants you to have a blessed assurance that you are his. God doesn't, here's something that's kind of tough in this uh, uh, particular category. But God does not prune anyone that is not his own. He doesn't prune anybody that is not his own. They're not found to be in the vine. So they're not of his. Therefore, they do not bear fruit of the vine. So you can't prune anything and, and expect any good out of it if it doesn't belong on the vine. It's not uh, none of His. It's, and it is possible. There are uh, different people, a lot of people in fact, that can do good things. And they, they are blessing to other people it seems. And it appears that they are engrafted into the vine, but in all actuality they're not. Sometimes it's being done uh, to ease their own conscience. That's some of the reasons why people do good things that don't belong in or that aren't uh, God's. And it's possible for people to do good things to others, but it's because they're trying to ease their own conscience. Other times, it's done to reap benefits. How many know that people sometimes will do good things, a nice thing, so they can get... Uh, honor and glory. They, so they do things to reap a benefit for themselves. And James chapter 2 calls that dead works. Why does he call that dead works? It's because it wasn't done by faith unto the glory of God. So God doesn't prune those who don't love Him so that they'll uh, bear, so that they'll uh, bear more fruit. He doesn't do that. That's not the reason. So I've seen apple trees that have branches that are uh, getting so heavy and thick that the fruit has nowhere to grow. It becomes deformed. Have you ever uh, been around an apple tree that's maybe gone out of control and stuff or another type of fruit tree that's gone out of control and they, the limbs are so tangled up and they're so heavy, they're so thick, Fruit tries to grow and it doesn't do well. And it'll deform itself growing around a limb or whatever. It's not uh, particularly beautiful. It's not particularly healthy looking. Those kinds of things is what God is wanting to trim out of our lives so that we will have healthy, beautiful fruit for His glory. God wants to prune you and I. So John 15 and 6 says this, if, any, if anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, they throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So those that... Uh, are not producing fruit for the glory of God. They have no part in the vine. They've not been connected. They will be thrown 
into the fire, it says. He has thrown them aside like a branch, and it withers. And they gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Hebrews 12, 7 through 8, says, Enduring suffering as discipline. So one of these things that we have to understand about uh, the pruning is that we are going to uh, suffer a little bit. We're going to endure. In fact, it can be kind of harsh once in a while. But enduring suffering as a discipline, God is dealing with you as sons, according to Hebrews 12, 7 through 8. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all received, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. The truth is, if you're a son of God, if you're in the vine, like uh, the Bible is talking about in John chapter 15, if you're in the vine, then you'll be strengthened by his discipline. When those things come uh, into your life and the trouble and the problems come into your life, hard to endure, painful to endure from, from time to time, it's God's discipline. And he desires to strengthen you and then develop an endurance, and you will have a great joy at the end of it. And an illegitimate child will never endure the chastisement and never be as fruitful as God intends for them to be. They'll never endure the chastisement. Have you ever tried? I've seen it happen so many times, and I've, I've tried to talk to people before that do not... Uh, know anything about the kingdom of God. They don't know anything about salvation. They don't love Jesus. They don't go to church. None of this stuff. Try to speak to them, and if you try to correct them, they're going to get down your throat fast a lot of times. An illegitimate child will never endure the chastisement and never be as fruitful as God intends for them to be. So you need to uh, change your tactic. You need to Approach those type of people from a different angle, and you need to start to love them. Number four. It's quite interesting. In verse 7, it says, God wants to be able to answer all of your prayers. That's another reason why God wants to prune you and I. God wants to prune us so that He can answer all of our prayers. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. So in other words, there is a condition to having our prayers answered. If we want to see our prayers answered, more of our prayers being answered, and if that's our heart's desire, that we demand that um, there's that condition that we have to remain vitally connected to the vine, which is, Christ Jesus, and have His Word remaining in us. So in other words, listening to a sermon from time to time, reading over and just perusing our devotional material with no consciousness of the importance of those words will never build our faith. It'll never sink in, and you'll wonder why your prayers aren't being answered. I've been there. I've got that problem once in a while myself. 
but it's because we aren't internalizing God's Word and aligning ourselves by faith to His Word. So, but what I want you to understand is you can be assured, if we truly get a hold of the Word of God and understand this truth that I just shared with you, that we have to remain vitally connected to Christ Jesus and have the Word of God remain in us, then we will then be able to ask anything, and it, be, it will be done for us. And it's all because we are aligned by faith with the Word of God. So if we are uh, truly to glorify God, glorify God, we're going to have to endure some hardship from time to time some uncomfortable circumstances and situations, some of them kind of painful. But always remember that it's not about punishing you. Discipline, yes. Punishment, not so much. Jesus has already taken the full punishment of our sin, shortcomings, our failures, and everything else, and He crucified them all on the cross. So don't beat yourself up over having a lack of patience or whatever the case might be that you struggle with. God wants you to trust Him to develop that fruit in your life in place of those failures. We want, we can't develop those, uh, uh, we can't develop the fruit of the Spirit in our life by human ability, but by the Word of God and the power of the Spirit. We have to allow the Spirit of God to work in us with the, because we've internalized the Word of God. And then, then we can develop the fruit of the Spirit. But if, if we have to rely on our own human ability, it's never going to happen. And this is the chief and primary reason for the Spirit to come to abide with us. How many remember Jesus said, it's expedient for me to go, because if I don't go, then the Counselor will not come. And that's found in John 14 and uh, 16. And he wants to develop the fruit of the Spirit in you. Jesus was saying that I have to leave this earth in order for the Spirit to come to abide in you and help to develop those things, that, the fruit that I'm talking about in your life. And I want to close uh, with this story and I'm sure my dad will remember this. I don't know how old I was for sure. I was probably about Bryson's age, I would imagine. Anyway, sometimes those trials we go through and uh, endure seem quite harsh and pain, painful. But the key is to, to endure and remain by faith. And this story that I wanted to share with you, like I said, I'm pretty sure dad will remember. You remember having that, John, that little John Deere riding lawnmower that John Deere 66, and you taught me how to ride that lawnmower. Well, I don't remember exactly. It's been so many years ago, but I don't remember if you gave me the uh, go-ahead to mow the lawn while you were at work, because I think you were working second shift at the time. You may have not had time to mow the lawn. So Dad gave me permission to use that riding lawnmower to mow the lawn. And there is a point to this story that I think ties in quite well. 
Sometimes we have to endure some painful uh, processes in order to grow and, and in order to produce or uh, bear much fruit is the, the phrase I want to use. So let me get to the story here. Anyway, I was out mowing the lawn. And out in the northwest corner of our lawn at home, Dad had six or eight dwarf fruit trees. And those he was kind of proud of. And it was very nice to be able to go out there periodically. And they were dwarf trees, so they were never supposed to be more than, what, five, six feet tall at the most, Dad? Do you remember? About eight feet, maybe? Well, they were doing quite well, and they were still young, but we, we'd pick some cherry tree, or cherries off the trees, and we picked some, uh, I remember those uh, big yellow delicious apples that Uncle Gary was so proud of, because he, he didn't have any teeth, and they were soft enough he could bite. So anyway, it was funny, it was funny to think about that um, in regards to this lesson. Anyway, one of those cherry trees, it was the very farthest northwest one. I remember it so well. It was very far the farthest northwest tree, and I was riding on a lawnmower, and I was going around the lawn, and I came to that tree, and I panicked. And you can almost imagine, I'm sure, what happened. I drove right over the top of that cherry tree, and I was horrified what my dad was going to do when I came back. Well, and he came back home, and I had to explain that. I don't know why I panicked. I can't remember something scared me or if I just, you know, just knew to running that. But anyway, what happened was I ran right over the top of that cherry tree, but it was big enough that I didn't mow it off to the ground. I just split it right up the middle. And that poor tree was so unbalanced. And uh, so anyway, long story short, I had to explain to Dad. You know, he didn't whoop me. He didn't beat me. He didn't threaten me. He didn't distrust me or any of those things that you might think would go through a little boy's head. He said, well, we're just going to have to see what happens. And he, we left that tree alone. I don't know if you doctored it up at all or not. I can't remember. But anyway, when it came time to produce cherries, you would not believe the amount of cherries that things that that crazy tree produced. And it was odd because it had a flat side on its trunk for me running right up the middle. So anyway, what I'm getting at is sometimes we have to endure some pretty harsh um, you know, realities in our life, but they're all designed, if we'll accept them, if we'll uh, trust the Lord and let Him do a work in us, they're all designed for us to bear much fruit. The ultimate desire God has for pruning is to bear fruit and to bear His glory. And the disciples, when Jesus was talking about the, the disciples here, the disciples were pruned for at least three years until His death. And then the Holy Spirit would then lead them into the world to bear fruit for the glory of God. I mean, you know that that's the truth. It's uh, it's a continual process, and you and I have to um, endure that on a daily basis. A lot of times, to be in order to be prepared to face the world for His glory. 
And one of the things that I wanted to explain to you back in verse 3, if I can, and I'll let you go with this, that uh, it says, it was one of those verses that kind of puzzled me to this whole story. It says, you are already clean, talking to his disciples, because of the word I have spoken to you. It does not suggest that all these disciples were already perfect. So I want you to understand that you and I are not perfect. We already probably know that, but get it in your head. You're not perfect. They weren't either. But for three years they'd been undergoing uh, a pruning process of Jesus. You and I have to undergo a pruning process obviously for the rest of our lives till we leave this earth. And that, uh, and that pruning process that would uh, clear up their understanding. Now, the disciples had this uh, understanding of who the Messiah was. It had nothing to do with the way Jesus uh, presented himself. But he was under, they were under his teaching for three years in order to clear that up. And when he was able to do that, and they realized that Jesus was the living Messiah that was going to dwell in them and, and the Spirit would be with them and in them for the remainder of their lives. In fact, the Bible says forever, the Spirit's going to be with us forever. Then they, were un- they understood. Then they realized that they could go out into the world and allow Jesus to shine through and they could bear fruit for the glory of God. So I hope that uh, uh, clears things up for everybody, and I hope that uh, ministers to you and I, because the pruning process is just designed to clear up and clean up all those things that uh, weigh us down, all those things that don't bring glory to God. It, it, he, he cuts it away and removes it, and, and it's uh, thrown away. So... There you have it. That, I hope that's a uh, blessing to you. I hope that uh, brings you some understanding for some of the things that you might have to face on a daily basis. Uh, God's just trying to prune things away and clean things up in your life. Amen. Father, we thank you right now for your pruning process. Once in a while it hurts. Um, once in a while it stings and burns and whatever. But, Lord, we know it's for, your, or for our benefit and for your glory. And, Father, we just pray that uh, we could learn to trust you in that so that we can grow. And uh, we can grow and bear much fruit for your glory. And I ask you, Lord, to touch each and every one of those here today and those listening to the sound of my voice, Father God, that they too will be able to receive that um, pruning process in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.